0: All right, this morning, I'd like to talk to you about gravity. Maurice Nicole said, none of us work nearly enough on ourselves. That's all that Maurice Nicole had to say. None of us work nearly enough on ourselves. What I have to say about that is, now there's a safe bet. Go to Las Vegas with that one, and you're going to come out a winner. None of us work nearly enough on ourselves. It might also be fair to say, we don't believe that. We think we're working. We think we're working right now. See, Pat thinks she's working when she's putting up with my unpleasant manifestations, right? Aren't you working? Like, I'm working over here. I'm working to put up with his unpleasant manifestations. He didn't have to say it that way. He didn't have to say that in front of everybody. Hello, does anybody know this one? Or am I... Okay, good. Every once in a while, I look at you, and I go, come on now. I know you know this. When I was teaching the fourth way back in the 70s in Florida, we had a pilot in the group. He took me flying in an old, small, two-seat Cessna, I think it was, a Cessna. We call all little planes Cessnas, I guess. Pipers. Weren't there Piper Cubs and things like that? I don't know really what it was, but it was a little plain, and it was old. He had a little old pickup truck, one of those little Japanese pickup trucks, you know, mini pickup trucks. I mean, I guess everybody has them now, but they've gotten bigger than they were back in the 70s. It was old, but it was in excellent shape. Can't remember what this guy did, but somehow he worked with his hands. He was a mechanic. He fixed washers, dryers like that. Maybe he worked for Sears or something as a repairman. I don't remember what it was, but he was very mechanical. So everything that he had was mechanically in order So we had this old truck but mechanically it was perfect he had this old airplane and i remember we got to the airport and he says okay well you get in there and i've got to check a few things then he goes through this whole checklist This whole thing, he's checking this and checking that. And he's looking at this and looking at that and checking all this stuff. And it's like, has anyone ever read the manual on the new car you buy? No, of course not. You know what it says? Check your tires, check your oil, check the water, check. all before you even start the car, it says to check all these things. Go around, turn the lights on, see, make sure they all work. Turn the, the indicators on. Who does that? Nobody does it. You know, there are some people who do that. There really are some people who do that. We're just not those people. Okay. Bus drivers do it. People who drive school buses have to do it. They probably don't do it all the time. They probably get mechanical about it just like everybody else unless somebody's on their back making them do it. But pilots do it, at least this pilot did it. He checked everything. Why? Well, there was a reason for that. He had this idea that once we were in the air, if something went wrong, it wasn't like your car just stops along the side of the road and you call road service. When you're in the air and something goes wrong, the airplane comes out of the sky. It comes down because of gravity. It comes down, and it usually comes down with a crash. When I think about how thoroughly he checked everything before takeoff, I think that was working. There are not many people who are willing to do that. Now, I know this to be a fact. If we gave as much attention to our mechanism as he did with his flying machine, we might get off the ground too. As it is, we work and work and work and work and work, but we never get off the ground. Why is that? Well, because our work flying machine isn't fit for flight. That's why. And it isn't fit for flight because we haven't paid proper attention to it. There's a checklist. You don't have a checklist. And even if you do have it, you don't follow it. I've given you a checklist, but you haven't been paying attention. I flew with another pilot here in California some years ago. He took no time before takeoff. We made it back in spite of him. But the plane was newer and bigger. It was a newer and bigger wreck. This little one, the first one, was a little two-seater that I flew in. Perfect condition checked everything. The next one was a six-seater, and we flew out to Catalina and back. He needed to just get some airtime. He never checked anything. The whole time, there's this noise, smoke coming in the plane, just awful. I mean, you couldn't hear yourself think. It didn't have to be that way, but it was that way because his machine was a wreck, and his machine was a wreck from neglect. It wasn't because it came that way. It wasn't because he bought a wreck. It was because he allowed it to become a wreck by not taking care of it. This is what we do with this work. As Nicole said, none of us work nearly enough on ourselves. Some people are more asleep. Other people are less asleep. We don't like that. We want everybody to be just as asleep as we are. Why? The self-love. The self-love. The self-love wants everybody to be at least the same. Because then it can be a little bit better. And all it needs to be is a little bit better. It doesn't have to be a lot better. Just a little bit better is all it wants. And it'll parlay that into a lot better. It won't take it long. It'll go to the tables in Las Vegas, and it'll gamble and gamble and gamble. Of course, it's never a gamble because the house always wins, and it's the house. So it'll gamble and gamble and gamble and finally take everybody's, everything, and it'll have it all for itself. That's what it's up to. That's what it's about. That's what it wants. But we're all asleep and in need of daily work. To get a higher view, we need to be able to fly in a work sense. To be a pilot takes training and right practice. Everybody knows this. Everybody knows they don't let you just go to the airport and get in a plane and take off. You have to have a license. It's a lot more difficult to get a pilot's license than it is to get a driver's license. A lot more difficult, a lot more expensive. So there are a lot fewer pilots. Now, this is why it's such a good analogy for the work. Anybody can drive a car. Now, of course, not anybody can drive a car. We know that because we're on the roads. And how many accidents have you had? Uh, of course, they were always somebody else's fault. But still, how many accidents have you had? Yeah, so, but we're good drivers. All the good pilots are alive. I guess all the bad ones are dead. If we don't keep an eye on our mechanical works, we either remain earthbound or we come back to earth with a crash. This is unpleasant, but it happens. Have you ever come back to earth with a crash from the work, doing the work? Yeah. In the beginning, that's what you did a lot. You crashed a lot. And then you learned a lesson. You learned not to fly, and that way you won't crash. So now you just fly in your imagination as we work. We work in our imagination. We don't ever have to crash. We can fly forever there. You don't need fuel. You don't need anything. All you need is imagination. You don't need skill. You don't need anything. All you need is imagination. You don't need to observe. You don't need to stop identifying. You don't need anything. All you need is imagination. And we've got ample supply of imagination. How do we come crashing back to Earth? Gravity. Life catches us through identification when our center of gravity is in life, not in the work. Where's our center of gravity? in life. It's not in the work. So life catches us through identification. That's the snag. That's the gravity. That's what pulls us back into life. Identification. You identify with something, you are attached to life. You identify with something really bad, you're attached to life. You identify with something really good, you're attached to life. You come crashing down. Good or bad, you come crashing back down to earth. You can't have a higher view from down here. The only way to have a higher view is to get some altitude. The only way to get some altitude is to stop identifying. Kind of like a hot air balloon, too. You know, you've got enough hot air, trust me, I know you. But all this ballast is identification. So we've got all this identification that holds us here to the earth. When we could get altitude, we could get up there a little bit. And when you're up there in the basket of a hot air balloon, everything looks different. Everything looks different. Remember when we were at the Grand Canyon, Rex? Looking down, there were things moving down there. We couldn't really tell what they were. We looked harder and harder. There were people and mules and you could barely see them, like ants. And I remember the, the funniest thing, I think, that that trip at the Grand Canyon, Rex looked over and he said, wow, it's a, a big hole. And then he said, N- and look at they're trying to fill it up with trash. It's the American way, litter. You know, you look down there, you think it's going to take a while to fill it up with trash. It would take a concerted effort. You know, someday all the states will get together and they'll take over Arizona and Utah just so they can get to the Grand Canyon to dump their trash. And then they'll fill it up in no time because we can do that. Because we're consumers, we can do that. And we'll work very hard on things like that, but we won't work hard on this work. The things that could keep us up above all of this, we won't work hard on that. It's astounding how blind we are to our typical negative eyes and how we justify and defend them. If you're not astounded by that, you haven't been observing yourself. When you see it or just observe someone else, look at how incredible it is, how someone will justify Well, for example, look at how it was with Pat this morning when I said something that offended her self-love. It wanted to feel self-pity. It wanted to be hurt. It wanted to show the whole world that that mean man hurt it and that that's wrong and that that mean man should feel guilty and everyone else should help her make that mean man feel guilty by looking at her and saying, well, he shouldn't have said that. He could have done that differently, blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. So it's guilt by association, but it's also guilt by agreement. Well, we all agree that you shouldn't have said that. We all agree that you handled that improperly. Good. Then why don't you all leave? Just get up and go. If you all agree, then go. Go someplace where you can all sit and agree because this is not the place for that. This is the place for work. This is the place for examining ourselves. This is the place for taking a hard look in the cold, clear light of consciousness at what we have become. And it's not a pretty picture. And if you want to dress it up, you're in the wrong place. You need to find someplace else to dress it up, and you need to find some other group that will help you dress it up because I'm not going to stay here if that's what you want to do. I'm going to move on. So that's that. I'm like a guest here. This is your house. I'm like a guest here. So if that's what you want to do, just let me know. I'll stop coming here. This is just that simple. I just won't come here anymore. I will go someplace else where people actually want to work, where people actually are willing to take a look at what they have become in the clear, cold, hard light of consciousness. Now, I'm not saying you have to do that every moment of every day. What I'm saying is you have to do it on a daily basis. Now, you don't have to, obviously, because no one has to. You only have to if you wish to develop. You can stay here, and you can keep your mouth shut and just look like you're objecting to everything that I say. And maybe I won't say anything. Maybe. Okay. So maybe I won't say anything all the time. If you say something, I'm bound to say something. If you just look... Well, there's a 50-50 chance you'll get away with that. And we actually learned to hide our looks, too. We were incredible pretenders. Incredible pretenders. Incredible hiders from the light. So this is why Nicole said none of us work nearly enough on ourselves. Because we're hiders from the light. We hide from the light. Why do we hide from the light? Because we're wrong. Because we're identified with something that is wrong. The false personality is wrong. It's a hateful, guilting, vicious thing. It's a violent, vicious thing that wants the death and destruction of everyone else. That's the way it is. That's what it's for. That's what it's about. That's what it wants. And it won't be satisfied until it has that. And then guess what? It still won't be satisfied. It'll have to find another universe with other people to destroy. It will never stop because it's wrong. doesn't mean you have to make it wrong, but it is wrong. But that doesn't mean you have to make it wrong. I'll explain that some other time. To work on yourself means constant attention, to your little plane, this little work vehicle that you are building that's going to help get you up off the ground, out of identification, so that you can start to see things from a higher view, from a different perspective, so that you can get above things and see them for what they are, just like we looked down on the Grand Canyon, just like you can look down from an airplane, just like you can look down from a tall building, and see more than you could see if you're standing down there. The longer people are in the work, the less inclined they are to give the constant attention necessary to fly. They become heavy and earthbound by small daily events. I have found this to be absolutely certain. The longer people are in the work, the more mechanical they become. As a rule, not everyone, but you don't find those people in work groups very often. They have had to leave. They've had to leave in order to get above things, which is an unfortunate thing. Now, what does that mean? Is it a fault of the person? Is it a fault of the people? Is it a fault of the group? Is it a fault of the work? Yes, it's a fault of the person, each individual in the group who hides in the group. It's a fault of the group because it's set up in a way that doesn't support people growing, people developing. It supports people getting in line and adhering to rules. And thirdly, it's the work. The work has devolved into this thing that no longer works. Now, I have seen this. I have seen it happen here, and we work against that. And one of the ways we work against that is this unpleasantness this morning, being confronted when I have no business whatsoever to say anything to Pat about her attitude or her self-love or anything. The truth is, is I have no right to say any of that, except that you came here to work, and you have an agreement to work, and you have an agreement to listen to the truth, and you have an agreement to try and apply these ideas to yourself and the other people here that's what a work group is. And I'm not going to hold you to that agreement, but I will remind you of it. I can't hold you to it, but I will remind you of it. I will remind you. You came here to work. Now, either work or shut up. But if you open your mouth, you're fair game. If you don't open your mouth, you're fairer game, because I'm going to get you anyway, because you're here to work, because you want to be gotten, because you want to get this, and you just want help with it. You know, There's nothing wrong with helping someone. There is something wrong with enabling someone. There's nothing wrong with helping someone. Pat got help this morning. She was not enabled. She got help. But only Pat can take it as help. She'll either take it as help or she'll take it as, ooh, what he did to me. And that's up to her. And nothing anyone says is going to change anything that she decides because this is self-development. Poor Pat. We love to say poor Pat. Poor Pat. P P poor Pat. She gets so much attention. And she loves every minute of it too. But I want it to be nice attention. It is nice attention. The work is like blowing up an air mattress with a lot of little tiny small holes in it. If you stop making effort the ideas vanish like air escaping the holes. You ever have a slow leak in a tire or something. Doesn't matter how many times you blow it up, it you come back the next day and it's down a little bit. And you, well then you blow it up again and that's what this work is like for us. We have all these leaks. And our leaks, the holes are the negative emotions where our force is leaking out. Now, sometimes in the beginning, we have big holes. We work on those. They're easy. We use a big Baja patch on that one. But then we get to the little ones, and it gets much more difficult. And we start, it starts to get tedious. And we start to tire of it. And we stop working. That's no time to stop working. All those little holes drain you just as well as a big one does. So you've got to keep the effort going, and it has to be daily effort. You have to do this every day. You can't just do this when you think about it. You have to make yourself think about it every day. You have to have a checklist. If we're fortunate, we see we're not working, and we haven't been working for days. We've been taking life mechanically through old associations this this is a perfect time I got you this time because this is the perfect time of year you've just been doing the holidays you have just been wallowing in old associations I promise you you've been wallowing in traditions you've been wallowing in the past you've been wallowing in old associations that's what you've been doing and it's expensive it's very expensive but you don't care you pay the price that's not working that's like guilt you pay the price so that you can do it again how negative were the holidays You had lots of opportunities to be negative. That's how it always is. That's what holidays are. There are lots of opportunities to be negative because there are old associations and there are people who we associate with, old associations with people. And that's nothing but opportunities to be negative or opportunities to work. We usually take those opportunities to work as opportunities to be negative, and we don't work. We fall into liking and disliking people. We fall into liking and disliking events. We fall into liking and disliking things. This is a great time of year to like and dislike people. You have to be around people. You go to these family functions. You have to be around people that you traditionally don't like. And then you have to be around people who you traditionally do. Oh, my favorite aunt. Oh, I don't like that guy. Is this true? No matter what your favorite aunt is, she's your favorite aunt. She can do no wrong. No matter what this guy is, he's that guy. And he can do nothing right. Old associations. They blind us. And the little eyes, the little rats... Make us negative. They are negative. They're just waiting for something to attach to. They're waiting for something to bite. That's what's going on with us. We're full of little rat eyes that are waiting for someone to bite. They're looking, searching for something to eat all the time. So here we are. We take people as physical objects, never understanding we know nothing about each other. We go to family functions. We go to parties and this and that during these holiday seasons. And we look at people and we don't ever think... We know nothing about the person. We sit and we judge and we think about that person. We think about what they've done and we think about what they're doing and we think about their hair and how they're dressed and how they're laughing and what they're drinking, what they're eating, what they have in their teeth, how their shoes didn't go together and how they shouldn't. I wouldn't dress like that and blah, 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 and how that person is behaving so badly and they have definitely had too much to drink or blah, 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 blah. This is what we do. If you don't see this, you're not working. You see this, Diana? Have you been to any parties, Diana? Have you seen this? Have you seen yourself do this? Good. Okay. That's good. That's a start until the emotional center becomes a bit more purified. We take people in a flat, heavy way that binds us to the earth, making it impossible for us to escape gravity and get a higher view, a higher view of what a higher view of people, a higher view of ourselves. That's what we want a higher view of. I don't care about the furniture. I don't care about the town. I don't want to get a bird's eye view of that. I want a bird's eye view of people. I want to be able to see myself and people in a different way. I want to stop taking them flat as objects. I want to start seeing what's really there. I want to start seeing the multiplicity. I want to start seeing the alikeness, the sameness. I want to start seeing the things that we have in common, that they have the same flaws, that they have the same problems, that they have the same sufferings, that they have the same issues. I want to develop something called conscious love. And the only way to develop conscious love is, wait for it, wait for it, consciously. You can't develop conscious love mechanically. You have to develop it consciously, which means you have to direct your attention to unpleasant things and make yourself transform the incoming impressions into something entirely different than what the little rats want. Remember the film Ratatouille, Little Rat, the little chef rat? He was a freak in his whole family because he could taste things. The other rats, they just eat garbage. They didn't even care. Just food. They just wanted to eat. What are you eating? I don't know. Food. Who cares what it is? This is the difference. You have to cultivate a palate for this work. You have to cultivate a taste for it. You have to be able to separate the garbage from what's real. But as we are, we cannot do that. So we need to be trained and taught. And that's what this work is for. It's to train us, to teach us to teach us how to fly, to teach us how to get above the garbage, to teach us how to see people in a different way, to see ourselves in a different way. And this will begin to cleanse, purify the emotional center. Nicole said the subtle inner octaves of the emotional center, if we even touch them momentarily, do not really belong to relationships on the earth and must therefore belong to some other forms of life not known on this earth. Uh, I hate quoting things like this because people get weird and they start to, oh, the angels oh you know and they they have all this stuff going on or spirits or this or that you know it's like look i don't know anything about that and if you do good for you keep it to yourself because i'm not interested in it i'm interested in finding out for myself i'm not interested in listening to people's stories about angels because in my opinion most of them are imagination i've got a couple experiences myself here and there but you know i don't share them very often the reason i don't is because people are weird They attach themselves to these weird things, and then they start to imagine instead of work. And so I find it's better just not to talk about things like that. It's better just to work. So many know what the work means to a degree, but they fail to apply it to daily events and rather remain satisfied with their knowledge. This is what happens in work groups. The longer you're in the work, the more satisfied you become with your knowledge. You have new people coming in all the time, and you clearly know more than them. And that feeds the self-love. Why? Because it's waiting to eat. That's why. Because it takes a tremendous, tremendous effort to separate from it. And we're not making tremendous efforts when we're satisfied with our knowledge and feeling superior to the new people coming in. Anybody can look and find somebody fatter, uglier, shorter, taller, better, gooder, whatever. Anybody can look and find somebody. Anybody can do that. It takes no effort whatsoever. Anyone can do that. But to stop seeing people as objects, to get a higher view, That takes effort, and it takes right effort, and it takes right knowledge, and it takes guidance because we cannot do it in our subjective selves by ourselves. If the work ideas are applied to ourselves and how we take things in the now, we can develop. If the work ideas are not applied to ourselves and how we take things in the now, we can't possibly develop. We're like planes So identified with the earth, we can't take off. But I love the runway. I just love the runway. It's known. It feels so good. Oh, the asphalt feels so good under my wheels. I just don't want to leave it. I I could just, well, can't I just run up and down the runway? Yes, you can. So here we are. We're running up and down the work runway. But we never get off the ground. Why? Because we're too identified with this. Why? Because it feels good and we like it. It's easy. We get bogged down with eternal considering. We get bogged down with fear. We get bogged down with jealousy, hatred, all that garbage, all the stuff that we live on, all the stuff that the little rats in us live on. They live on hatred, jealousy, fear. They live on those things, internal considering. We think about the work at the same time but make no connection between it and our present state. So, yeah, we get negative, and then we think about the work, but we don't make the connection You've got to make the connection so that the force from the work gets into your present state and yanks you out of it, gets you off the runway. We've got to make the connection. You can't fly in a vacuum. You've got to make the connection. And it's up to you to make that connection. This is being asleep. This is being identified. This is being earthbound and without a higher view that could lift us out of our ordinary center of gravity. Our ordinary center of gravity, I don't care how good it is, I don't care how good your ordinary center of gravity is. You could be the greatest master on earth. You could be better. You could get out of that center of gravity. You could lift yourself into something higher. You could transform further. So now, is there anybody in this room who's the greatest master? Great. Then we're all in this boat together then, right? So we all can improve. We all can work more. We all can apply more of this work to ourselves. We can all work more on ourselves as nicole said none of us work nearly enough on ourselves now another thing i want to say about the work what diana's doing is not the work what patty's doing is not the work when they beat themselves up that's not the work that's beating yourself up there's a difference it's like yeah i know there are things wrong with me i've had you tell me for so many years how could i miss it steve do you know there are things wrong with you has anyone ever told you that yes yeah has anyone ever not told you yes really were they mute they no. couldn't couldn't write what no, Yeah. Okay. But they do tell you. Yeah, <laughs> So my point is, the fortunate ones are the ones who are really screwed up. Because they know. Because they've heard it for so long. They've heard it for so long, they just go, you know what? I'm a mess. I need work. The ones who don't talk and who don't make mistakes and who don't... They can go along with this little idea of, oh, I'm okay. No, you're not okay. You need to work. But these other... These bookends here, these two bookends with the sour faces... Patty and Diana, the bookends with the sour faces, who wouldn't smile. Diana wouldn't smile to crack her face. They don't smile because they're identified with the crap that they see in themselves. There's nothing to smile about when you're identified with it. When you're identified with it, you are it. When you're identified with it, you're in cement shoes. When you're identified with it, your plane is glued to the ground. You're not going anywhere, nowhere. You've got to stop identifying with it. You've got to start giving this the light touch. You've got to start giving yourself the light touch. You're not doing that. You don't sweep away cobwebs with a sledgehammer. Use a feather duster. Just gently sweep them away. Just give this the light touch. But you don't do that. You give everything in your life this heavy hand. Both of you do this. You've got to stop it. And you're not going to stop it. You're not going to stop it. What you're going to be able to do is start to look at it and start to see. You're going to start to look in the mirror. You'll look in the mirror every once in a while and go, Oh, my God. Smile pat smile diana you're gonna to have to say that to yourself smile it's not the end of the world you're not dead yet oh but i will be soon oh it's so awful give it up give it up i got another one that i'm gonna visit in uh, minnesota in march she loves her false personality it's all she can talk about the false personality this and the false personality that she's trying to save it she wants to redeem the false personality you idiot it's not redeemable it doesn't exist. You must undo it. You must free yourself from it. Stop trying to fix it. She wants to fix it. People who want to fix their false personality, it's a trap. It's a trap, and that's why your faces look like they do, because you're in that trap. You're trying to fix the false personality. You're never going to fix it. You've got to get above it. You've got to get a higher view. You've got to get wings, work wings. Hopefully, if you stay with this, you'll begin to see this contradiction. That we see all this, we have all this knowledge, but we're not putting it to work on a daily basis. You've got to see this contradiction in yourself. You've got to see it. You've got to be able to say, I'm not working nearly enough. And you've got to be able to see it without that face. You've got to be able to see it and be happy. Like, I'm not working nearly enough. Well, what are you so happy about? I know that. I'm beginning to see it. I'm beginning to see that I'm really not working nearly enough. Well, what's the rush? Good point. I don't know. What is the rush? I want my life to change. And the only way to change my life is to change my level of being. Oh, no, we aren't going to do that, are we? We're not going to change our level of being. We're going to change them We'll change our circumstances, change our dress, change our last name, change our clothes, change our hair, get new glasses, get different makeup, change our diet. We'll change everything else, but we won't change our level of being. Why? That's too hard. Why? Because we'd have to stop identifying with ourselves. And we're not about to do that. Because the more you want to change other people, all that tells you is the more you are identified with yourself. When you're not identified with yourself, you don't want to change anybody else. You don't care about anybody else. You don't care about what they do. You care about changing your level of being. That's what you care about. You don't care about what other people are doing. You don't say things like, well, they're affecting my life. Because you know that you don't have a life, that all you have is a fiction, that all you have is a story, and that it's not true and it's not real. And you're identified with it. And because you're identified with it, you can't get free. You can't get off the ground. Changing everybody in the world isn't going to help you. You will still be earthbound. You'll still be on the runway. I can't make you understand this. You have to see this for yourself. And there's only one way to see it. You've got to stop identifying with yourself. And you're not going to do that. You're not going to stop identifying with yourself because you're going to have to make effort to do that every day. And you're not making that effort. And you've already said that. You've already said you know that none of us work nearly enough on ourselves. So if we don't work nearly enough on ourselves, how can we expect things to change? How can we expect our level of being to change? In reality, we can't. Like the conscious pilot, we need to observe our machine in the present moment and also later. You know, sometimes we can't observe much in the moment. Sometimes we're just nuts. And sometimes we have to look back at that, observe it then. We look back at it and we go, well, that was nuts. We can do that when we can't do it in the present moment. Then you need to do that. But then there are times you can observe yourself in the present moment. You may not be able to stop identifying in the present moment. Not instantly, but if you keep observing, you will notice that the physical sensations will die down. They will calm down. Your breathing will return to normal. Your heart rate will return to normal. All the parts of your body that are hot or cold will return to normal if you just stay with it, stay with the observation. But we quit too soon. You have to stay with it. This happened to me this morning. I was getting ready to meditate, and I got negative. And I was sitting there, negative, and I said, okay. Rather than saying, okay, I'm negative, I focused on the bodily sensations. And as I focused on the bodily sensations, I said, okay, this is a sensation. This is, a, this, is this sensation. And I looked at it and got into it until it dissipated because anything that you give your attention to immediately it starts to change it won't hold still for you it'll start to change the only thing that can stay the same continuous is what's unconscious to you then it can continue but if you become aware of it it has to change this is gold if you are listening if you have ears to hear hear what i just said that is gold that you can go so far with that this constant uncritical work must be done every day at least several times a day, where the work remains in the book and not on the runway, where it can take off and fly. Or the work remains in the podcast, or the work remains in the essay, or the work remains on the blackboard, or the work remains in your head. But it doesn't get to a place where it can get you off the runway so that you can fly. Mechanically, we've been taught a pack of idiot lies about people Religion. We've been taught about religion, religious lies, that those religious people are bad, these religious people are good, or all religious people are bad and all unreligious people are good, whatever, or vice versa, whatever. It's a pack of idiot lies. Race. Well, these people are bad because they have darker skin, and we all know that darker means bad, that only the bad guys wear black hats and the good guys wear white hats. This whole thing is what we have been taught. This whole thing is in our race consciousness. It's in the consciousness of our race. Caucasians, as a rule, have this to deal with, that people who are not as white as them are not as good as them. And, you know, you can call it primitive. You can call it whatever you want. It's there. And if it's not addressed, it's going to get you. That's all. You either become aware of it or it's going to sneak up on you. So become aware of it and keep it in front of you. Don't let it get behind you where it can do some damage. Politics. We all know that certain politics are bad and certain politics are good. There's a good party, there's a bad party, or there's a better party. Okay. So we know they're all bad now, but there's a better party, or there's a better candidate. And it's all a pack of idiot lies. All of it is. Class. Well, these people are low class. I remember I had a friend who lived in Palos Verdes, which is used to be high class, but it's not so much anymore. Now they call it Mortgage Gulch. Anyway, and they wouldn't take checks from people who lived in Mortgage Gulch. Because they had these big homes and they were mortgaged to the hilt, you know, and they didn't have any money, so their checks weren't good. But it was the place to live, and so this guy lived up there. And his, and I guess his family did have some money, but he moved, and uh, he moved to Huntington Beach. And he started working in a gas station. He said he knew he was in Huntington Beach. He knew what kind of a town it was by the oil that people bought. They all bought thirty weight oil. They didn't buy a twenty fifty racing oil. They bought thirty weight oil, and so he started to call people thirty weight these people are 30 weight, they're, they're, not, you know, they're common, is basically what he was saying. See, that's a pack of idiot lies about people called class, that we see people who are in this class and we judge them. We see them as objects in that class. We see them as Volkswagens or we see them as Ferraris or we see them as you know, Rolls Royces or we see them as Mercedes or we see them as Toyotas or we see them as whatever. You understand what I'm saying? It's all a pack of idiot lies that we have been taught They're all wrong, and they're all burned into our neurology, making wrong connections. They are burned into your physical brain. All these wrong connections have been made in your physical brain all through your life. They are there. There's no way to get around that. They are there. To say they're not there is absurd. They are there. Through the reception of work ideas, we can change these associations. This is called metanoia in the work, which is changing associations that have been burned into our acquired personality. Is it possible to change the physical brain and the associations that have been connected in it? Well, it was possible to burn them in there, but is it possible to change them? Or is it like a DVD that you burn one time and you can't burn it again? Well, if it was just a matter of the physical brain, we'd be screwed. If the mind were the same as the associations in your brain, you couldn't change anything. But the mind is not. The mind is above the physical, and this makes change possible. It's possible for the mind to see both sides of something. It's possible for the mind to see opposite together. It is not possible for the physical brain to see any other way than the way it sees. It is not possible. It is hardwired. It can be rewired, and it can be rewired through the mind, through change of the mind, metanoia. Not change of the brain. Change of the mind, metanoia, has to come first because that's the only way that you can see things differently. You cannot see things differently with the physical apparatus. It can see things the only way it can see things. You can put corrective lenses in front of the eyes and do all these other things. You can see things clearer, but you're not going to see things differently. You're not going to put on a pair of glasses and turn that Christmas tree into a moose or a frog. It's not going to happen, but your mind can do that but your physical apparatus cannot. So yes, it can be done. Physical associations can see a thing only one way. This means you can work on yourself practically about your mechanical associations. You can work on yourself practically about your mechanical, physical associations. The associations that are burned into your brain can be changed. You can practically work on your mechanics, your machine. You can practically do this. It can be done through this work. This is what you need to be doing This gradually will make personality less powerful, more passive. You can get to the place where you no longer have to go with your mechanical associations. Everybody's tasted this. You've tasted the freedom of not having to go with old associations. You've had this happen. It doesn't happen nearly enough, but you've had it happen. And it's glorious. It's like freedom. It's like air. It's like fresh air to someone who's been breathing stale air. It's great, but it doesn't just happen. You have to work. And that work means change of mind. You don't have to react mechanically forever. Your brain will try to force you down that road, but your mind can change the association. This changes everything. Okay, so how do we do this? You have to adhere to these work ideas. You have to obey them. You have to trust that there is something higher, there's something more conscious than you, that it is trying to reach you, and that you can reach up and get hold of it. And now, in a practical, everyday, daily way, make a checklist. When you get up in the morning, decide to do something consciously decide right then to do one of your morning things consciously whether it's open the door brush your teeth comb your hair shower whatever decide right then to do one thing consciously to be more conscious about that to give more directed attention to that than you did the day before make a checklist just like a pilot has a checklist he checks the tires he checks the gasoline He checks the prop. He checks the motor. He checks the flaps to see that they're all working. He checks the rudder to see that that's working. He checks the running lights to see that they're working. Why? Because once he's up there, he doesn't want to come crashing down through identification. Now, you've crashed through identification enough times. How many more times do you want to crash? And how many of them do you think you're going to survive? You can come down softer. You're going to come down. What goes up must come down. You're going to come down for a while until you crystallize in higher states. You're going to come down. But you can come down softer. You can make soft landings. You can make good landings. They don't always have to be crash landings. Often the practical application of these ideas sounds like it's going to be easy. The ideas sound great. When we actually run into a situation or a person who's being a little more difficult than we'd like, we find it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. If you've hit a snag with some aspect of this work and its practical application in your everyday life, I invite you to write James at SolidRockVista.com. Sometimes a fresh perspective is all it takes to get us back on the right track.